This evening is in Second Chronicles chapter 33, and so if you will turn there with me in God's holy word, Second Chronicles chapter 33. Hear now the word of the living God. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down. And he erected altars to the Baals and made Ashereth. And worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And used fortune telling and omens and sorcery. And dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord provoking him to anger. And the carved image of the idol that he had made, he set up in the house of God, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed for your fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, all the law, the statutes, and the rules given through Moses. Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention and therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him. And God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Afterward, he built an outer wall for the city of David west of Gihon in the valley and for the entrance into the fish gate and carried it around Ophel and raised it to a very great height. He also put commanders of the army in all the fortified cities of Judah. And he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he threw them outside of the city. He also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings, and of thanksgiving. He commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed at the high places 
but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the Acts of Manasseh and his prayer to his God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, they are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel and his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty and all his sin and his faithlessness the sites on which he built high places and set up the Asherim and the images before he humbled himself, behold, they are written in the chronicles of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his house, and Ammon, his son, reigned in his place. Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned two years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. Amen sacrificed to all the images that Manasseh his father had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But this, Amen incurred guilt more and more. And his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. Thus ends the reading of God's fair word. Let's pray. Father, we beg that you would come by your spirit and that you would remind us from the record of the history of King Manasseh, uh, of, of the power and reality and awfulness of sin, of its consequences. And then, Lord, the wonder of, of your saving grace. Father, we beg that you would write uh, these precious truths upon our own hearts that we would not trifle with sin in our own lives. Uh, we would be those who are quick to repent uh, Lord, to turn away from temptation uh, even before uh, we would begin to do what is wicked in your sight. And Lord, that we would be those who delight to follow you and by your grace see the gospel passed on to future generations. Lord, thank you that you have recorded these things so that we and our children and grandchildren might learn of you, Lord Jesus. Please bless us now. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, it is a very, very sad thing. Uh, here we have, uh, after King Hezekiah died, uh, that his son, Manasseh, uh, began reigning in his place. 
And we really do not know uh, exactly where the influences that led Manasseh astray. There's all kinds of speculation about that. God has not been pleased to record that for us in his word, but you can be sure that uh, there were other people uh, that were involved. And uh, I want you to turn with me over in the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And um, you young people and children, I want you to take careful note of this. Uh, When your mom or dad uh, expresses a a concern about you uh, uh, being buddies with a particular person, Uh, and they say, we really don't think this is a good idea. Uh, I want you to think about uh, behind the scenes, there were people who, even in the face of the godly testimony of King Hezekiah, uh, there were other people uh, who were influencing this young man, uh, not in the ways of godliness, not in the love of the Christ, And it bore a disastrous fruit. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read in verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And uh, you can just uh, think with me. uh, In your homes, uh, if you have a bowl of fruit, a nice beautiful bowl of apples, and one of the apples starts going bad, what do you need to do quickly? Um, how will it work if you leave that apple that is beginning to rot uh, there uh, touching the other apples? That rot will spread. And so it is morally. And while we do not know the details, we know that Manasseh, Uh, was influenced uh, by wickedness. And he gave himself uh, to a shocking degree of rebellion against the Lord. Uh, Be careful who uh, you be friends with. Well, uh, back in 2 Chronicles chapter 33... Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now we have recorded for us in this passage, as well as in the book of 2 Kings, and if you'll turn with me over to 2 Kings uh, chapter 21, 2 Kings chapter 21, we have a little bit additional information that is recorded for us um, recounting um, pretty much the same thing, but a few little details here and there that I think are helpful. Um, 2 Kings chapter 21, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, And he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out 
before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal, and made an Asherah, as Ahab king of Israel had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of Asherah that he had made, he set up in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander any more out of the land that I gave to their fathers, if only they will be careful to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they did not listen. And Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done, whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. And the Lord said by his servants the prophets, Because Manasseh king of Judah has committed these abominations and has done things more evil than all that the Amorites did, who were before him, and has made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle, and I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plumb line of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of my heritage and give them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies because they have done what is evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides the sin that he made Judah to sin, so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and the sin that he committed are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Manasseh slept with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his house in the garden of Uzzah. And Ammon his son reigned in his place. Well, we see the influence of King Ahab generations before still uh, uh, coming to the forefront here. Uh, that is one of the uh, lines of influence that there were people who, uh, even in Hezekiah's day, 
uh, still uh, were uh, not openly in Hezekiah's day, but they were behind the scenes uh, worshiping these pagan false gods. And uh, that comes now to the forefront um, with King Manasseh. Uh, the, the record of his evil deeds is, is shocking indeed. Um, in Second Kings, we see the additional mention uh, there in verse 16 uh, of the fact that King Manasseh uh, had practiced a, a, a horrifying degree of uh, injustice. Uh, like Ahab and, and Jezebel murdering Naboth, um, King Manasseh filled Jerusalem uh, with innocent blood. Uh, what a picture, uh, this vile, wicked king. And these practices that are recorded here in these two passages, our text in 2 Chronicles 33 and 2 Kings 21, uh, you can go back to the book of Leviticus, and if you'll turn there with me, <clears throat> the Lord had warned his people to not practice uh, what the um, pagan uh, nation uh, there in the promised land that they were driving out. And we have a record of all of these uh, sexual perversions, uh, the great wickedness that is recorded in Leviticus chapter 18. But we see in verse 24... Uh, do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, for by all these the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean, and the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For the people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations, so that the land became unclean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. And this little phrase uh, that we see throughout the Pentateuch, I am the Lord your God, uh, if you'll turn with me, uh, to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, you see that little phrase spelled out in greater detail. It is not that the Lord has forgotten who he is, and he's just declaring afresh. It is a reminder to God's people who he is. And the full uh, declaration of that uh, we find uh, here in the preface to the Ten Commandments. 
We read in verse 1 of Exodus 20, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God. Now that was the little phrase that you see repeated over and over and over uh, throughout the Pentateuch. But notice the rest of this phrase. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. It is because God uh, is their rescuer, their redeemer. Uh, he has preached the gospel uh, through the generations. And Manasseh grew up in a home um, of King Hezekiah. Uh, Hezekiah stumbled, but he humbled himself and begged for the mercy of Messiah. But Manasseh, he rejects all of that. And you'll notice down in verse 10 of 2 Chronicles 33, the Lord had sent gospel preachers to proclaim the message of life and hope and salvation. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Uh, we will see this repeated uh, in chapter 36 of Second Chronicles. And if you'll turn over with me to chapter 36, we read, after Manasseh, you have King Ammon, and then you have Josiah, and then Josiah's sons uh, um, are made the last kings of, of Judah. Um, and we read now in verse 15 of Second Chronicles 36, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them, talking about all of the kings of Judah, persistently to them by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words, and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. And so Manasseh grew up in a godly home. He was confronted with the truth of the gospel. He saw his dad stumble. He saw his dad repent and be restored. And the Lord's hand of blessing indeed was upon King Hezekiah. And the Lord sent preachers of the gospel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, powerful proclamation of the message of life and hope. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. And what are they doing? They are giving themselves to this gross idolatry and the practices of paganism. We see in verse 2, Manasseh did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of the land. We see that has, uh, Manasseh self-consciously seeks to undo the reformation that took place uh, 
through the reign and ministry of his dad, King Hezekiah. <coughs> he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down. He erected altars to the Baals. He made Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He built altars. And he's talking about now altars to pagan deities. In the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Verse 6, perhaps, uh, is a, a spine-tingling, a chilling thing. Uh, the depth of his rebellion against the Lord. He burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Uh, here was this uh, a valley that was basically the city dump. And it was a place where all of the refuge and garbage would be taken and piled and burned. And it was uh, uh, continually uh, smoldering. And he uh, uh, burned his sons in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Child sacrifice, hard for us to imagine. And yet, of course, in our day, we see uh, the same horrifying thing taking place in our land. He used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery. Um, it, it is sad and shocking to see paganism rearing its head uh, in, in our uh, land. Instead of people humbling themselves before the true and the living God, uh, how refreshing uh, the new Speaker of the House uh, having a Bible uh, there at the rostrum uh, as he spoke and saying that uh, uh, those who understand the Bible know that Scripture teaches that God Almighty is the one who sets kings and people's who are rulers uh, in their places. Well, uh, Manasseh, uh, he dealt with mediums and sorcery and necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Um, well, what did the anger of the Lord look like? Well, we see... In verse 11, therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria. Um, we have seen before how uh, the Assyrian Empire was a threat. Uh, the Assyrian Empire has destroyed the northern kingdom. Uh, in Hezekiah's day, uh, God delivered in an amazing way. Uh, Jerusalem uh, from the king of Assyria. But now because of Manasseh's sin, uh, the Lord allows the king of Assyria to come and, and, and to capture Manasseh. And notice it, it describes uh, that Manasseh was captured with hooks and bound with chains of bronze and brought to Babylon. Um, 
this word hook, uh, it can either refer to a thorn or a small fish hook, or as we read in the book of Job uh, with Leviathan, uh, God says, uh, can you put a hook uh, in this huge dinosaur-like uh, crocodile uh, uh, humongous creature that no man can tame? Can you put a hook in his jaw and, and uh, subdue him? Uh, well, here is this term now. And the kings of Assyria would either put a, a, a ring in the nose uh, of a king that they would capture and tie that to, uh, 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 put a rope on that and tie that to a, a stallion, or they would put literally little fish hooks uh, in the chest of a king that they would capture and thread those uh, uh, threads together. Uh, to make a rope. And, and when they would get back uh, to Babylon, uh, they would have a parade, a victory parade. And, and the uh, uh, prime uh, uh, entry in the parade would be the king uh, of whatever nation had just been conquered. And they would uh, uh, drive the horse then through this city, uh, uh, dragging uh, this uh, king in great humility and agony and pain. And so Manasseh experiences this. Uh, he thinks that he can live shaking his face, uh, fist in the face of God Almighty, breaking his holy commandments, uh, uh, perverting uh, even the temple and the worship of Almighty God with impunity, uh, but the Lord uh, brings this chastening uh, upon Manasseh. And so we read in verse 12, and when he was in distress, and so you can just picture, if somebody put a, a ring in your nose or little fish hooks in your chest and you were drugged through a city street and people mocking and making fun of you, uh, that would be distress. Uh, you're no longer king seated upon a throne. Uh, you are uh, uh, viewed a, as a, a trophy uh, uh, that another king has conquered, and you are humbled in the dust. Well, in his distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly. Now, I want you to remember the verse that we saw in chapter 7, and you can turn back there, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Even after all of the hideous things that this wicked, godless king has done, in his distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God. What an incredible God the God of the Bible is. That he has given his son to purchase redemption. 
And you can think about some of the most unlikely characters that you could imagine. Um, the Lord delights to redeem and raise up as trophies of his amazing grace. We looked at some of those this morning in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. But I want you to think with me about a fierce enemy of the gospel, a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who hated the Lord Jesus with passion and who had <clears throat> asked uh, uh, permission uh, of the Sanhedrin to be given authority to go from city to city uh, uh, investigating, doing uh, detective work, uh, trying to sniff out where there were groups of, of followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And he took it on as his special project with the authority of the Roman Empire through the Sanhedrin to have hundreds upon hundreds of leaders of the church arrested, brought to trial, and put to death. We have the record in Acts, the end of Acts uh, chapter 7 of the stoning of Stephen and the first part of chapter 8. And Saul approved of his execution. Uh, they had laid the cloaks at the foot uh, of, of Saul of Tarsus to take care uh, of them. And he was cheering them on in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him, for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. How many homes were shattered and separated because of this brutal man's war against the name of Jesus? We do not know. But what we do know is the Lord Jesus arrested him. He was on his way to Damascus and the Lord appears, pulls the curtain back and a, a light brighter than the noonday sun shone and falling to the ground he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Saul of Tarsus died that day. Uh, his testimony is recorded for us in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live by faith in the Son of God I live by faith in him well in Acts chapter 26 uh, we see that God had appointed him um, he had rescued him 
In verse 12, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. Uh, you can see in verse 11, um, um, we'll go back up to verse 9. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Here is this description of how Saul had been living. What does it mean to kick against the goads? Um, goads were sharp sticks that farmers would attach to their wagons or a cart. And they were for the purpose of preventing the, the ox or the, uh, the horse from kicking uh, and breaking the cart or the legs of, of the people driving the cart. Uh, instead of kicking the cart, uh, this sharp uh, pointed stick, uh, this goad, uh, the ox would kick against that. And the ox would go, ouch, that hurt. I don't want to do that again. And so here's this picture of God describing how Saul was living against the Lord. He was kicking against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a, a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Who would have dreamed that this man who was persecuting Christians, that he would be forgiven and that he would even become a mighty leader of God's people? Well, God's grace indeed is amazing. Manasseh, in his distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord. He begged for mercy. And he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Manasseh bows before the Lord and says, Lord, I, I, I was wrong. I've been a fool. I, I grieve that I have 
done all of these wicked practices and I can't undo what I've done, but I repent and I ask for forgiveness in the Christ. In verse 13, he prayed to him. And God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Not only was Manasseh forgiven, but God restored him uh, to his place as king there in Jerusalem. What an amazing God the God of the Bible is. And here we have now this summary of Manasseh's response to all of this. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Manasseh comes to love the God who had had such mercy upon him. And we see the fruit of true faith, the fruit of true repentance recorded there in verses 14 and following. Manasseh steps up and he says, Look, I, I want to do what's right. Uh, the time that I have left, uh, the Christ is the one uh, that we want to trust in and follow. He seeks to protect uh, the city. Afterward, he built an outer wall for the city of David west of Gihon in the valley and for the entrance into the fish gate and carried it around Ophel and raised it to a very great height. He also put commanders of the army in all the fortified cities in Judah and he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and he threw them outside the city. He also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving and he commanded Judah to serve the Lord the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. And so we see that there was a revival that takes place. Um, at the end of his life, uh, he humbles himself. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer to God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, behold... They are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel and his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty and all his sin and his faithlessness and the sites on which he built high places and set up the Asherim and the images before he humbled himself. Behold, they are written in the chronicles of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers and they buried him in his house and Ammon his son reigned in his place. And so what is Amon going to do? Amon was 22 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned two years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh, his father, had done. Amon looks at his father's life, and the bulk of what he had seen was rebellion against the Lord. There's just this brief, brief time at the end of Manasseh's life. And that is not what Amon focuses on and learns from and patterns after. Tragically, Amon 
He sacrificed to all the images that Manasseh, his father, had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord as Manasseh, his father, had humbled himself. But this, Amon incurred guilt more and more. He did such vile and wicked things, his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Amon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. And as we're going to sing King Josiah, uh, what, a, what a godly uh, man he is. And how is that? It is the grace of God. And so what do we learn from this? Well, we see... Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you run with. Give yourself to the Lord Jesus and seek to pattern after your godly parents and those around you who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Because sin is very real and its consequences are horrifying. The consequences of sin are just as real and horrifying in our day as they were in Manasseh's day. And there is only one cure. It is to have the forgiveness that comes only by repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn from Manasseh's sad life but also rejoice that there is a God who delights to show mercy to those who repent. There is forgiveness and mercy for anyone if you turn to the Lord Jesus. Give yourself to him, even this night. Do not play with sin. It will destroy you. We also see the reminder to us of the importance for moms and dads and grandparents to be careful what example you are giving. Amon saw the rebellion, and that tragically is what he patterned after. Surely it was a great grief to his dad that this son has no heart for his glorious Savior. We do not know the details and the timing of Manasseh's repentance and what Ammon saw. What we do know is Ammon reigns only two years and he follows the wicked example of Manasseh and not him humbling himself and crying to mercy and being restored because of the Christ. May the Lord write these things upon our hearts. May God have mercy upon us. May we rejoice to have a good king. His name is Jesus. And we give ourselves to him. And we seek to live for his glory.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, apart from your grace, we are capable of the most hideous pagan practices. Uh, we see this man uh, grow up in a, a, a godly home. Uh, Lord, we see him coming under the influence of, of the house of Ahab. Uh, Lord, we see uh, him living the bulk of his life in rebellion against you, uh, doing more evil and leading your people to do more evil, even than the nations uh, that you dispossessed from the land. And Lord, your chastening was uh, a chastening unto Manasseh's salvation. We thank you that those whom you love, you chasten. And Father, when we are corrected, Lord, may we humble ourselves before you and entreat your mercy and not stiffen our necks and press on in rebellion and perish. May we be those, Lord, who are quick uh, to hate our own sin and to keep a clear conscience before you, O Lamb of God. Wash us clean even this night. How we thank you that your blood cleanses our conscience from dead works so that we might serve you, the true and the living God. Lord, we thank you for your grace and we pray that you would stir us up, we who are parents and grandparents, to live, uh, Lord, in such a way that our children and grandchildren will see the beauty and joy of following you, Lord Jesus. We pray for the young people and children here that, Lord, you would make them uh, blind to our shortcomings and that they would see uh, the Lord Jesus. Lord, that they would follow and humble themselves before you, serving you with joy and gladness. Lord God, keep us from the world. Keep us from the influence of paganism. Keep us, oh Lord, be our Savior. And now bless, Lord, as we sing and as we fellowship together. Oh, Lord, thank you uh, for this good Lord's day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel that there is hope for the fallen race of Adam, for every man and woman and boy and girl who repents and trusts in you, Lord Jesus. You are a faithful Savior. And so we delight in who you are. Bless, Lord, and give us joy to sing your praise as we conclude our worship on this beautiful Lord's Day. In Jesus we pray, amen.